done in our lives. Uh, as you continue to elevate us this year, as you continue to, to speak to us, uh, Father, we just pray, Lord, that as we're coming to a close, just a few short months left, God, that, Father, what you intended in each and every one of us, God, that you intended to elevate us, to lift us higher, God. Oh, Father, in our Christian walk, uh, Father, I just pray, Lord, that, that Father, we, uh, as a victory outreach, God, us as believers, Lord, would, would continue, Father, to do all those things, God, continue to grow. We love and thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand as you take your seats. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, um, of course, um, amen. Uh, if you didn't have an opportunity to give uh, to Pastor's Appreciation, make sure uh, this coming Wednesday you could do so, or you could also do so on the Church Center app. Amen. And then I, we have a card on the way out. You could sign the card. Amen. Uh, let them, you could write a little something to our pastors. Uh, let them know how much we love and appreciate them uh, to write today, right after service. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. How many of you know what this week was? Can I get some? This is not a trick question. There is an answer. What this, this week was, it was the balloon fiesta. Amen. How many of you enjoyed the morning commute to work? Come on, somebody. That was about an extra 20 minutes, praise the Lord. But it was the balloon fiesta. And, you know, since it was the balloon fiesta, I have decided, uh, I knew I was speaking this morning, to speak a message about balloons. Not a complete message about balloons, don't get, you know, um, but more of an illustration because what they used to do with balloons before they did hot air balloons, they used to be lifted up off the ground with helium or hydrogen. I know a lot of you were impressed. I did study before I came up here this morning. You guys, are th- you're thinking, I didn't, was not expect. thank you, Sister Marcia. I wasn't expecting to get a balloon lesson, but here we go. So what they would do, because it was a gas balloon, not a hot air balloon, that they would tie sandbags all around the, the, the basket. We're going to call it the basket because I didn't study that much on them. I don't know. Anybody know what it's called? The gondola. Thank you. So what they would do as it would begin to take flight, they would drop sandbags off the balloon And so it could reach its maximum height. And so I know that this year we're talking about elevating. We're talking about going higher, right? And so I have listed here, biblically, seven character flaws that are sandbags in our life. So if we want to go higher, we're going to have to drop these sandbags. Is everybody with me here this morning? Because how many of you want to get higher? Right? And, you know, you might be looking at me like, you can't say that from the pulpit. I'm not talking about that kind of higher this morning. I said the high that I'm talking about is the high that puts your family 
back together instead of splitting apart. The high that I'm talking about is the, the high that lets you keep money in your pocket instead of walking around all broke all the time. Right? I'm talking about a high that, that instead of tearing your life down will build your life up. This year we've been challenged to elevate. Amen. So you can turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 6. And we're going to be reading uh, seven things in chapter 6 verses 16 through 19 that the Bible says that the Lord hates. And the, the more that I look at this portion of scripture, the more I see it's not a person, but it's character. It's not a, it's not a specific person. You might be thinking, oh, the Lord hates these people. Listen, these people are us. We have these in us. Right? So we're going to be taking a look at these seven things this morning. Let me read them. Proverbs chapter 6. Verses 16 through 19. The Bible reads, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So we are going to be taking a close look at these seven things. Now, the first one is haughty eyes. I know some of you ladies in the morning, you get on YouTube and you Google, how do I make haughty eyes? And then you watch your makeup tutorial. We're not talking about those kind of haughty eyes. Come on, somebody. You don't even know how long it took me to come up with that joke. It would be, you would feel far more impressed about it. But haughty eyes, H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Now, haughty means seeming to consider yourself better than other people, right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about people that think they're better than other people, right? That look down on other people, that say things like, at least I'm not like them, or at least I'm not like those people, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Right? So the Bible says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And I know growing up, we were told, or some of us were told, you're the best. Right? Everybody's parents tell them that. Don't feel, I mean, some people don't tell them that. That's a whole different. We're not talking about that Bible study here this morning. Some of you were told you weren't going to be nothing or never going to amount to anything. That's a whole different Bible study. But we live in an age where everybody gets a trophy. 
right? Everybody's number one. First place. There are going to be stadiums filled around the country where there are going to be Washington Redskins fans. There are going to be Denver Bronco fans. There are going to be Arizona Cardinal fans. They're going to be, uh, what's another There are going to be fans, and they're going to be yelling, we're number one. But the record says 4-0-5, or 1-4. They're not number one. But their fans seem to think they're number one, right? So it's the Bible saying, don't think yourself that you're better than everybody else. Don't think that you're better than everybody else because your economic status. Don't think you're better because of what neighborhood you came from. Don't think that you're better because uh, of where you grew up or who your parents were or the color of your skin or, or what city. Don't think you're better than everybody else. Right? The Bible says not to think yourself highly, more highly than others. And these are what the haughty eyes mean. Right? 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So even though you might be a hottie on the outside, if you're a hottie on the inside, you're ugly. That took me a while to write that too. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. This was his prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Woo! Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right? Sandbag number one, haughty eyes. Number two, a lying tongue. See, what lying is, lying is like a thermometer. It's a metering device. Because lying reveals how godly you are or how lack of godly you are, right? Because you can be the most uh, hand-lifting, praise-dance, bust-a-moving, right? You can have your amens and your hallelujahs down. But if people know you as a liar... It reveals your lack of godliness. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Because lying is not of your new self, it's of your old self. So every time you lie, right, it really shows how far back you are. Right? Now, some of you might be saying, but what about little white lies? What about uh, lies that don't matter? What about lies that don't hurt anybody? Right? See, lying is not, it's, it's a character issue. Right? It's, it has to do with your character. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, let's, re, let's rewind that, that anyone who belongs to Christ, that means if you belong to Christ, has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. So when we lie, when we tell lies or when we lie to get ahead, it really shows us how much of our old self and how much we don't belong to Christ that we really are. Sandbag number two Lying tongue. I don't know why I had to look at my notes for that. I could have remembered that. Amen. Sandbag number three. Hands that shed innocent blood. Now you might be saying, like, I haven't killed one, no one lately. Come on, somebody. But it's not just about shedding innocent blood. Uh, also praying on the innocent. Right? Praying on the innocent. So Genesis chapter 9 verse 6 says, Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Right? So we see here the law of sowing and reaping. When we pray after the innocent, right, then what it does is it brings a curse upon our life. Right? You look at, even in the Bible, you look at the commandments. Uh, one of them is thou shall not kill and then right after that, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we see the blessings and the curses of obedience and disobedience, right? According to Deuteronomy says that if we obey, if we fully obey the commandments that the Lord had, had given them or given us, then that we'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. That we'll be blessed every time we go out and every time that we come back. Right? That we'll be blessed. That we will be a blessed people. So when, we're all, when we are obedient, right? When we don't pray on the innocent, as one of the commandments states, then we will live a blessed life. But it also goes on to say that there are curses of disobedience. Amen? So not only do we get the reward, come on, right? That there's also a consequence to our disobedience. So when we pray on the innocent, whether it's in business or, or, or whatever, or we have ulterior motives, or, or maybe we, you know, we have evil intent over someone that doesn't deserve it, or, you know, all those things, then what happens is through the law of sowing and reaping, we bring curses upon our lives. Right? Cursed in the city. Cursed in the field. Right? In the city, where, you know, where we live, our home. Right? Do you want your home to be blessed or do you want your home to be cursed? 
right? And in the field or workplace, do you want to be blessed at your workplace or, or cursed, right? It's through the obedience, the word of God, the commandments, right, or the disobedience, right? So it, you look at it, and it's kind of like the blessings of God sometimes are balanced on a decision that we make. You might be saying, oh, how come brother so-and-so always gets blessed and I don't get blessed? Let me tone it down a little. Let me, let me speak softer so it gets real serious. How come everybody, everything good always happens to everybody else? Right? So through that, take a look. Take an evaluation. Every time things are going crazy, sometimes the storm comes because God wants to do something in your life. Just because something bad happens to somebody doesn't mean that they're in sin, right? Sometimes it means because God wants to grow them through the storms, right? God wants to do something in their lives. It's part of the process. But sometimes it's because of actions, things that we do through disobedience, right? And so when things happen, always take an evaluation, right? Am I doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing? Number three. Hands that shed innocent blood. Everybody still with me? Sandbag number quattro. For those of you that don't speak Spanish, that's number four. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Right? Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? A heart that devises wicked schemes. Right? How I many you know that our hearts, they can lead us places we don't want to go? Or the problem is, is we want to go, we shouldn't go. Right? Everybody says, follow your heart. That's dangerous. You need to be following God. Don't follow your heart. Come on, somebody. You need to line your life up with the word of God. Trust me, God will give you the desires of your heart. Right? But so when we're not close to God, our desires are things that we shouldn't have. But the closer we get to God, God begins to, begins to give us godly desires, things that are good for us, right? Things are, that are going to bless us, right? What I, love, what I love about God's plan is it's a long-term plan, right? When you're sitting down, how many of you have a 401K? Right? Some people never had no 401K, right? They're like, I don't, you know, I grew up and, you know, never had a real job and stuff, right? I didn't have a real job till, till I got out of the home. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but then I was introduced to this thing called the 401K. And if you haven't got one yet, I would suggest to get one. And so what it is, it's a long-term retirement plan, right? The plan isn't like paycheck to paycheck. It's put some money away for the future. But even inside these 401ks, they have these short-term high-risk or they have these long-term low-risk plans, right? And what it is that if you continue to put money, if you continue to put money in this plan at the end of it, then you'll, you'll have enough to live on for the rest of your life. You won't have to work no more. And when you're 75, you won't have to have a job anymore, right? Amen? Yeah, I don't know. They're moving it to like 85 now. Retirement keeps on getting pushed. I'm like, what is this? You used to be able to retire at, I was like, you know, 50, then 55, 60, 65. 70. 
Anyways. But God's plan is a long-term plan. To bless you. Right? To sustain you. That not only you shall be blessed, but the generations after you, that your kids and your grandkids and your kids' kids' kids will be blessed. It's a generational blessing in God's plan. But if we follow our heart, all we see is temporary satisfaction, which is a short-term plan that has a short-term high-risk reward followed by years of pain and misery. You guys didn't know you were going to get an economic scripture today. Or, amen, lecture. So, moral of the story, get a 401k. Number four. A heart that devises wicked schemes. I was sandbag number four. Sandbag number five. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. Right? Feet that are quick to rush to evil. And what this means is you get, you get pushed or pulled along. You're hanging around the wrong group of friends. Right? You're easily sucked in. Right? People influence you more than you influence them. Right? Instead of bringing people to church, you let people take you out of church. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Right? It's like feet that are quick to run, to do bad things. Right? Sandbag, I'm going to start moving quickly. Sandbag number six. Sorry, number five, feet that are quick to run to evil. Number six, sandbag, a false witness who pours out lies. Right? False witness. What does that mean? I know you guys are like, I ain't never witnessed on nobody before. You never. <laughs> False witness means that you, t- you tell lies about someone else, right? Bearing false witness of an account or what other people, right? And so you could fit uh, gossipers in here, right? People that, hey, did you see that? And, you know, you didn't, maybe you didn't even see it. You're just giving like second, third, fourth hand information, right? Tell lies about people. No one here. Okay, let's move on. Since since that's no one here, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Praise him. Number seven, a person who stirs up conflict in the community and other versions say family. So people who cause disunity, right? And the Bible, even at the beginning of the scripture, it talks about the six things that God hates and even seven that he detests. I think he's making an extra emphasis on this seventh point about causing disunity, right? Now, at this point, you're, you're thinking, man, all these sandbags, If we must be talking about a horrible person. We must be talking about someone that is so far away from God. That can never be me. That can never be uh, talked about of me. So now, I want to parallel the portion of scripture here in Proverbs with another portion of scripture. Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. The Bible reads, In the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Amorites and besieged Rabbah But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, 
the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark of Israel and Judah are staying in tents. And my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will do no such thing. Then David said to him, stay here one more day, and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah in the front where the fighting is the fiercest. Then withdraw for him so he'll be struck down and die. So what's taking place right here is the man that the Bible says is an apple in the eye of God. A man after God's own heart right when you think about great men of god who do you think of right one of them you think of king david right the one that slayed the giant goliath the one that killed tens of thousands hundreds of thousands the one that 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 took over the throne of israel when they needed a king right You put him in God's top ten list. Come on, somebody. And then you begin to look about this story of the Bible. All the things that took place. Right? Let's read them again. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who stirs up conflict in his community. Now you look at this portion of scripture parallel to the story of David and Bathsheba. And it kind of appears that that it was written about this story. All these things you could find. And so 
With those two things in mind, take an evaluation. Take an evaluation even of our own hearts, right, of who we are. If we want to elevate, if I get the keyboard player to make their way, if this is going to be our year to elevate, right, then just like David, because this wasn't the end of David's story, right? We see here that, yeah, he had fallen into sin. Yeah, he had done all these things, uh, all these things, uh, uh, shed innocent blood, right? He, he spread lies, bared false witness, stirred up conflict in his kingdom and his community. But even after all these things, that God still loved him so much. And then even, how many of you know that even after the things that we've done, the things that we've been through, the trials and the tribulations that we've uh, encountered, that God still loves us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us. God literally loved us to death, all the way to the cross. All the way to the cross, how much, even after all the character flaws, even after all the things that we've done, God still sent his son, Jesus, to die for you and me. Why? Because God is the God of a second chance, of a third chance, of a fourth chance. Listen, you might have not ele- you might not have elevated yet this year, but don't let this year go by without taking a big step forward. Say, I know that God has so much more for me. We see here in Psalms 51, verse 10 through 12, the Bible reads, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. This was David's prayer to God after after all this took place. David repented. He said, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Take me back to the joy of my salvation. Listen, being saved is a joy. If you're if you're sad, you're doing it wrong. This whole Christian thing, you're doing it wrong. If you're sad, God gives us a joy, the joy of our salvation. Right? Why? Because God, God has a plan for us that's a good plan, a plan to prosper us. The Bible says for a hope in the future, right? We can all stand to our feet this morning. So the challenge this morning is to drop some sandbags. Everybody close your eyes real quick. Close your eyes. Now I know we talked about these seven things that God hates these sandbags that are character issues and and people. But you might 
say, I have a different sandbag. Maybe it's lust, addiction, backsliding, whatever it is. Thoughts, some of you might have crazy thoughts. Lack of faith, insecurity, depression. Some of you might have one of these seven things. Maybe you have those haughty eyes. Maybe you think you're better than everybody else. Listen, Jesus came to serve. Oh, when he watched his disciples speak, he taught them a lesson that the greatest shall serve. If you humble yourself, God will exalt you. Whatever it is that's keeping you down, whatever it is that's holding you down, let today be the day that you let it go. Like those sandbags off the balloon. You're at a certain level right now, but God wants to take you to a higher level. God wants to elevate you. Some of you, God wants to elevate you and your family. Right now, that you're just one of your you're just one of the, the crowd. But God wants to elevate you above the crowd. Elevate you above the crowd. Some of you, you're, you're at your job. You're just one of the one of the guys, one of the girls. Hanging around while people are telling inappropriate jokes. Still making the same amount of money as the, the guys on the bottom level. Say, that's not what I want for you. I don't want you to be on the bottom level. I want to elevate you. I want to elevate you. I want to take you, I want to take you higher. Some of you are in a season where you think you don't have enough. God says, I want to I want to take you to a season where you have more than enough. We feel like, right now you might feel like you can't make it, but God wants to take you to a season where you feel like you can overcome anything. To elevate you, to take you higher. But you're going to have to drop some sandbags. Drop all those things. The Bible says that the battle belongs to the Lord. Some of you have been fighting your own battle. You've been fighting in, in, in flesh and blood. You've been, you've been fighting with stress and anxiety. But God is saying, just hand it over to me because it's not your fight anyway. Let it go. Let that sandbag of depression and anxiety and stress go. Walk in the freedom and the liberty. God wants you to have. Some of you are so insecure that anybody that asks for your number, anybody that winks their eye at you, just run. Run away from God. Away from the things of God, from the family of God, just because you got a little attention. Listen, God has someone special for you. And the person that he has from you won't take you away from him. They'll take you closer to him. Don't you dare run away. Father, we need you this morning, God. Whatever weight that we're carrying, whatever sandbags that we have, God, whether it's one of these seven things or it's something else, Father, I pray right now, God, that this would be a service this morning. This would be a time that we would be able to let go of some of the weight that's been holding us down. 
that you'd be able to take us higher, God, to continue to elevate us this year, Lord. That's you. And you see, I have some sandbags that I want to drop this morning. I have some weight that I want to let go of this morning. And as they begin to play this song, step out of your seat and let's pray together. Amen. Oh!